I was sitting over there listening to that song, these two gentlemen were standing up there singing, and the preacher called, him, called them a trio. And I thought that wasn't very nice to call those two rather big men a trio. And then I realized the sister was going to sing over at the piano. But anyway, I had to get that out of my head so I could, you know, it just was there. I'm looking at that two-guy trio, and, there, and a lot of stuff went through my mind. But while they were singing, too, that song about See You in the Rapture, I thought, you know, next week's Mother's Day. And my mother died as a 45-year-old girl a long time ago, 1975. You know, I wish the Lord would let me know maybe six hours before the rapture. And I'd jump in my car. And I'd ride five and a half hours up to Lansing, Michigan, and go out to that Evergreen Cemetery and stand there by that grave. And she'd come up out of there, the dead in Christ will rise first, and take me by the hand, and off we'd go to glory. We're going to see one another in the rapture. What a blessing. You know, people look, hey, Brother Green, you were preaching when I got saved. It's going to be wonderful. It's not, it's not imaginary. It's as real as that pew that you're sitting in. The rapture of, G, of the saints. We'll meet him in the air. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful song. Hadn't heard that in a long, long time. In my mind... Did a lot of traveling there while they were singing. I do appreciate being here. I appreciate the Sunday school teacher. He stomped a little bit on what I was going to talk about this morning at the very start of his Sunday school lesson. Now, if you weren't in here, you don't know. And if you were in here and you weren't listening, you don't know. But uh, I'm glad he did it at the first and not the last. But I want you to look in your book to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And in this chapter, you know, Jesus makes a... Tremendous statement in the first verse. He said, men ought always to pray. That doesn't mean every once in a while or when you feel like we ought to always be praying. And in that story, that chapter, he gives a parable of the widow, you know, that just kept bugging that guy until he gave her what she wanted, and we're to keep on praying. Just keep after the Lord about things. Don't give up on people. Amen. I got lots of people on my prayer list. I, and I confess this morning, I've written some of them off. But I'm glad God doesn't write people off. And if you've got lost loved ones or children or people that you're concerned about, stay after them. Men ought always to pray. But I want you to look in verse number 9, and this is what he, he mentioned this this morning, how in the world he got from Esther over here, I don't know. But verse number 9, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Not Republican, a publican. 
The Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I appreciate uh, moving in my own soul in the last few minutes as our brothers and sister played the piano and sang. We'll see each other in the rapture one sweet day. And I pray if there be anybody in this room that's more like the Pharisee than they are the publican, that the, God, you would do as the Sunday school teacher taught us, how Haman was so filled with pride. He's such a definition of this Pharisee. God, help us to be humble like the publican. Help us to see our need of Jesus Christ. Help us to recognize the hope that's down inside the heart of the redeemed. God, it's not a fake hope. It's not a false hope. It's not a whimsical hope. It's a real hope that we have in the rapture and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you bless now. And again, as has already been said by our pastor, if you're lost here today, you ought to get saved. He said that the altars were open. You could come at any time and be saved. If there's a sinner here today, I pray that that might happen. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got two titles for my thoughts this morning. The prayers of a Pharisee and the prayers of a publican. Or uh, a tale of two men in the temple. I think this is a parable built on a foundation of an actual human event that took place in the temple. Randy Pike, my beloved friend that just went to be with the Lord a couple of months ago, he said this, no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. I think both men in our story this morning, they, they speak of the heartfelt opinions that they had of themselves. The Pharisee, he contrasted himself with the publican. And the publican contrasted himself with God. You know, you may compare yourself with others and look pretty good. But if you, prepare, if you compare yourself with God, we all look pretty bad. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, Pharisees were strict religionists. Um, Josephus said in Jesus' day, there were about 6,000 Pharisees in Israel. Within the Pharisees, there were seven sects, S-E-C-T-S, sects of men that broke off and had different ideas about this, that, or the other. 
And there was another sect of women among those 6,000 Pharisees. They were all adversaries of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, uh, the reason they did, he refuted something that was called the Mishnah, which was a whole bunch of rules and regulations that these Pharisees made up to control people. And Jesus busted them all the time. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea was a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee. And there were a lot of them. And thank God a bunch of them got saved too. But the publicans, they were a general group, uh, kind of the scum of society. They were the most hated of all Israelites were publicans. You say, why would that be? They were tax collectors for the Roman government. Zacchaeus, for instance, he was a publican. And thank God he got saved. See, they had custom houses everywhere. They were at bridges and docks and roads and gates and every place, just like we live in a government that wanted to have 87,000 new tax collectors. I mean, got me nervous April the 15th. Going to be everywhere. And that's the kind of people the, 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 the Pharisees and the publicans were. Now, a Pharisee, this Pharisee, judged himself, that Pharisees judged themselves superior. They enumerated the sins of others, and I think it was sins that he was not guilty of. You know, there's, I, I could say today, I'm not guilty of smoking. And so, you know, I say, well, I, you know, it's bad to do this, bad to do that. I don't smoke, so I don't have to worry about it. And that's, that's the kind of the way... This fellow's talking here. He tells about all the stuff that he didn't do wrong. And then he thanked God that he was better than everyone else, and especially the publican. He recited his virtues. He satiated his mind with his own superiority. His soul, though, was left unsatisfied. He would not confess any of his own sins. It really was a soliloquy of self-righteousness, an, an, an attempt to not examine himself, but examine everyone else. It's the model prayer of a genuine hypocrite. He prayed within himself, the Bible says. That's an interesting statement. He prayed within himself 34 words and eight boasts of his own attributes. On the other hand, the publican, he's ashamed. The Bible says that he stood, Jesus said, he stood afar off. I wrote in my Bible, Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 13, those that are far off have been made nigh by the blood of Christ. Thank God this morning. You sit here today and just say, I'm such a terrible sinner. I'm so wicked. Hey, you're, you're, in good, you're in good condition. 
That's the attitude a sinner ought to have. But those that are far off have been made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been given access through the blood of Christ to the rapture of the saints to a place in heaven through all eternity if you just accept him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Oh my goodness. He stood afar off. You know, in proximity, they were close together in the temple. But they were miles apart in spiritual reality. He confessed his sins. He unabashedly and embarrassed, I think, bowed. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes. You know, when Jews prayed, when the people of Israel prayed, they, they did not close their eyes nor bow their heads. They lifted up their eyes and raised up their heads, and this is the way they prayed. You've seen them pray. That's the way they pray, with their eyes open, looking towards heaven. And so this man, he couldn't even look up, the Bible says. He, he, he bowed his head in grief and he acknowledged the fact that he had offended a holy God with his lifestyle and the way he had acted and the things that he had done. I heard about a preacher one day, he's a guest preacher, and he was asked to come to the pulpit and say a word. Say a word. Now most preachers, if you ask him to say a word, they'll say 20,000 words. But he walked to the pulpit, he pastor just asked him to say a word, and he said, yes. That's all he said. And he said to the congregation, I would like you to say the same word that I just said in unison. And the entire congregation said, yes. He paused for an uncomfortable amount of time. And then he said this, that's the one word you ought to say to what God says to you today. And he went and sat down. Now, if you're a sinner here today and you've never been saved, you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. You need to recognize your, I mean, the terrible eternal condition you are in right now, headed for a devil's hell. You, I don't know how you get your news. I, I get it off my phone. I looked at my phone this morning early. The very top thing, I, I look at Newsmax. The very first thing, nine people killed in a, a, a mall or some kind of store in a town called Allen, Texas. People just going to the store just to buy something. I was in the airport yesterday, went into Brooks Brothers. They had socks on sale. Buy three, you get 30% off. I said, it's a pretty good deal. I need some socks. And so I bought three colors. I went up to pay for them. The lady could not figure out what 30% off of the total was. She said, do I don't know what it is. I said, well, ma'am, it's kind of like if you buy two, you get one free. 
She said, okay, and that's what she did. Charged me for two, and I got one free. I think I did a little bit better than 30%, amen? I made a nickel. I got one of mine, pair on right now. But just going to a store, a grocery store, a, a haberdashery, whatever, just going to a store innocently. Nine people, including the guy, someone killed him. In eternity, right now. Heaven or hell, right now. People on the highways. People in the old folks' homes. People in the hospital. You die without Jesus Christ, I can't say it any plainer. You die without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will go to hell. If you're saved, I'll meet you in the rapture if we live. <laughs> but I'll, my body will be in the grave and the rest will be in heaven. And we'll meet, I think we'll meet somewhere. It'll be hallelujah time for all eternity. I want to give you my little outline. Maybe you can see yourself, Mr. Sinner. He believed, this man believed and acknowledged his own depraved heart. And he regretted it with grief that his life was lost. And he, he put his faith and trust in God. Number two, he acknowledged his own condition and responsibility. He confessed his sin. I have nothing to offer you, Lord, but my sinful life, and I come and ask you to save me. That's what happens to a person. It's interesting. We were in the car. Uh, I don't know. Oh, we went to look for deer last night, riding around, and I think we saw. You know, your pastor's kind of like a, a friend of mine. I used to deer hunt with his friends in heaven now. But we would sometimes sit together, and he said, look, Tim, there's eight deer. And I'd look, and there'd only be four. So either we saw 50 or 100 deer yesterday. I'm not sure how many. He saw things I didn't see, and I've been deer hunting a lot. But we were riding in the car, and Sister Gravely, uh, I don't know how we got talking about it, but she had kind of the same uh, experience I had. I made two professions of faith and got wet before I got born again as a 21-year-old young man. And I know young people can be saved. And Sister Gravely made a couple professions, I think she said, and then she finally got saved about 20, 21 years of age. And in her case, that was just five or six years ago, just... Wasn't very long ago. About three people got to have. It's an interesting thing. Praying a prayer, bowing a knee, that's not all there is to it. It's something that goes on down in the depths of our soul. 
our redeemed, thank God, eternal soul. And that's never happened to you. It needs to happen to you. Can't go, well, you know, I did this when I, listen, your mother might have it written in the family Bible, but your name must be written down on the book of life. The Lamb's book of life. That's where it matters. You could have your name written down on the page of whatever in every Bible in this room. It wouldn't save you. Seriously, think about it this morning. He acknowledged his own condition and responsibility, and he confessed his sin. Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, 11 and 12 said, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Adolf Hitler's going to one day. You, you can name a list of Mohammed, whoever you want to name in history. Everyone, every knee will bow before him. Say that he's Lord. That's not going to save those folks that come out of hell and do that. You're going to, yeah, you go to hell, you're going to get out of hell. But it's not be for very long. And then you'll be cast into the lake of fire. There's nothing positive in the future for a lost person. Unless somewhere Jesus Christ's blood is interposed in your life. And you receive him as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Every knee, I like that, every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. From John Lennon to Lucifer. Think about that. Mormons, Muslims, modernists, other morons, Atheists, agnostics, all men. All men. Baptists and Buddhists. He acknowledged his own condition. Be, be responsible as a human being to realize that in and of yourself there is no redemption whatsoever. There's none in church membership. There's none in doing good. Being a nice guy, paying your bills. I had to pay my taxes last month. It wasn't fun. That doesn't get you to heaven. You must be born again. He cast away all of his pride. He judged himself. He condemned himself. In seven words that came from his mouth and a contrite heart, he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's what it takes. Bob Jones Sr., a great preacher of the past, I heard him preach his very last sermon he ever preached on this planet in 1967, December of 1967. He preached for three hours at my dad's church. He's close to senile, and he said the same thing over and over again. I was a teenage boy in the balcony. I quit paying attention a long time ago. I remember, though, that old man, 
he caught me right where you go up the steps to the balcony of my dad's church. He caught me right there. I don't remember what he said, but he was such an intimidating man. And not in a negative way. But Bob Jones Sr. said this. He said, babies cry when they're born. And he said, sinners pray when they're saved. Isn't that an interesting thing? The things that come out of a baby. You know, when you become a Christian, you're, you're a newborn babe in Christ. And what do you do? You pray. We pray. We pray a sinner's prayer, we call it. We pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save my soul. And he will. He will. I think, I think pride stands in some people's life as an insurmountable mountain because they hate to admit they're wrong. Hate to admit they've been living a lie. I got a name of a preacher's wife. I won't call her name. You, most of you would not know her. You might know her husband or know of his husband. They're both in heaven now. But he was a great preacher, had a great church, very well-known pulpit. I mean, a tremendous preacher. He was the only long-winded preacher I ever heard that kept my attention. I mean, he could preach an hour and a half, and you thought it was three minutes. I know some guys preach five minutes and feels like four hours. I might be that, I don't know. But one day he preached at his, the church, and he noticed that his wife came forward. She stayed there a long time. Other people were being saved across the altar. And so after you know, an uncomfortable amount of time, he went down and knelt beside her and said, Honey, what are you doing here? She said, I'm not saved. I know I'm not saved. But I've come to the realization, I know it might hurt your ministry but I'm not going to go to hell for you or anybody else. And she got born again. I knew her. I ate in her home. She's a wonderful Christian lady. I wouldn't go to hell for anybody in the world. He held, my last thought, he held to no self-righteousness at all. We are all unclean. And our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, the Bible says. What's so good about you? What's so great about you? Uh, what makes you, in and of yourself, fit for heaven? Absolutely nothing. You say, well, you know, preacher, I'm of a mind that if my good outweighs my bad, you're a fool. I mean, what if it just evened out? You know, if it just evened out, that's ridiculous. I'm going to tell you this. Yours, your bad so far outweighs your good it would be impossible for any of us to get to heaven. But I'm thankful, March the 15th, 1970, Jesus Christ stepped on the scale of my life. 
and his good far outweighed my bad. My salvation is all wrapped up in him. This fellow here, he cast himself on the grace of God. I like what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. For by grace are you saved. It's not of ourselves, but it's the gift of God Almighty. He gives us his salvation. He gives us his grace. And we are justified by faith. It was January the 1st, 1953. A young man in his 20s got in the back of a beer bottle strewn Cadillac driving from Tennessee to Ohio. That car, car was in a wreck. That young man went out into eternity. There's a little museum in a little town in Greenville, Alabama, where that boy grew up. Matter of fact, he grew up, he learned how to play the piano, sitting on the piano stool, piano bench, with his mother in a Baptist church in that little town. Became very famous. Last time he sang was at the Ryman Theater there in Nashville, Tennessee. He sang, sang a song that he wrote called I Saw the Light. Thank God Almighty, I Saw the Light. He sang that song. I think if my memory is right, there were eight encores. He'd come out and sing it again to the they call it, I think, the, the, the Church of Nashville. Church of Southern Music, Nashville. A lady named Minnie Pearl, and I remember seeing that old gal, and you know, she had a bonnet on, had a price tag hanging down. I guess that was her, uh, everybody knew her by that. He sang that song, came off the stage, after the eighth encore, and Minnie Pearl said to him, said, Hank, that's the greatest song, and you sang it the best tonight I've ever heard. And I quote, he said to her, Hank Williams said to her, Hank Williams Sr., I wish, Minnie, that I had seen the light. I wish I had saw the light. And within hours, he was in eternity. I don't know where he went, except for this. If he died without Jesus Christ as his Savior, he went to hell. If he never truly saw the light, he went to hell. If you're here this morning and you've enjoyed the singing and it's a blessing to be in the house of God and you kind of pat yourself on the back that, you know, I was invited and I came or, you know, my wife bugged me and I finally showed up. And if you're not saved, friend, you, and you die, you'll go to hell. 
And if the rapture takes place, and you'll be left behind, and you'll go to hell. I don't know how long you'll make it through the tribulation period, but I've read that book, and billions of people die in the tribulation period. Billions. We've got nearly 9 billion people on the planet today. And billions will die. If you're not a Christian, you ought to become one. If you've never been saved, you ought to get saved. It's, you can be a Pharisee about it, or you can be a publican. Bowed his head, smote himself on the breast. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's what he wants to hear from you this morning if you're not saved. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. That's just a simple gospel message from my perspective. Trying to make it as plain as I possibly could. That if you're saved, you'll go to heaven. If you're not saved, you'll go to hell. Has anybody in this room this morning say, Brother Green, I'm, I'm a saved person. I know I'm saved, but I know somebody here today that's not a Christian. I know somebody here that's not born again that I'm concerned about. Would you raise your hand high that I could see you? I know, I know some lost people here today. I know a loved one, a mom, a dad, sister, brother, friend. A few people raise their hand. I want you to pray with me that they'd be saved today. Sinner, if you're here today, today could be the greatest day of your life. This could be the highlight of your human existence. You could be born again today. Is anybody here this morning said, Brother Green, I'm not saved. I know I'm not saved, but I'd like to get it settled today. Would you raise your hand high that I could see it? Anybody like that in the room? Raise it high so I can see it. You want to.